Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. So good morning everybody, my name is Ruan, it's nice to meet everybody, everybody online again. Uh, Yeah, obvious I'm not Pastor TJ, little TJ, big Ruan, something like that. Um, But it's uh, great to be with everybody, we're uh, finishing up the series about the gifts and the different gifts that we get from God. So it's my honor to sort of finish that and share that with everybody. Um, And today specifically, I want to mention one thing also. In the first service, we prayed for Dan Varnell. A lot of you know Dan. Uh, He's going on a missions trip to India. Uh, That's coming up soon, so we prayed for him in the first service. He's not here now, but we wish Dan all the best, and we prayed a big blessing over him. I'm sure he's going to do great things there. If you have a heart for missions, uh, you are built like that, uh, even over the next couple of weeks, if you think of Dan Varnell or you think of India, just pray. Uh, just keep praying. Uh, like we say, prayer is everything in the church. So um, don't forget to pray for Dan on his trip. Uh, we're also going to have communion today. So if you don't have communion elements with you, now would be the time to get the very tricky to open, tricky communion thingamabobbers. So go ahead and get that and do the walk of shame back to get your communion stuff. Did I mention that I love everybody? Oh, Leo said that at the beginning, right? (laughs) This feels like it should be a football game. Somebody should be at the back and be like, go along. (laughs) Go get it. Good stuff, good stuff. So, um, uh, TJ often talks about the... This sort of, hey guys, I'm going to say something now and you have to say that you love me, right? That, that portion of his sermon. So I'm going to say that up front now. Uh, I might say a few things that uh, prickle or tickle or whatever, a couple of people, however it looks. So forgive me up front if that's okay. Uh, if I say a few things that's out of place or maybe I'm a, a little too direct, uh, forgive me up front, as TJ would say, because Jesus said you had to. So <laughs> suck it up. <laughs> um, so we're uh, specifically finishing the series today, and we're talking about the gift of diversity. Uh, we're talking about the gift of diversity within the church, and that the kingdom is for all of us. Um, so I will start out by asking the simple question, uh, who is allowed a seat at your table? Take a moment and think, who is allowed a seat at your table? It's sort of obvious, uh, right? We have lives that we live uh, with people very closely, those that tend to end up at my dinner table or people I see on a regular basis, but we're also making it a little wider than that and saying, if we talk about diversity and we talk about the differences of people, who is allowed to be at your table that is different than you? We uh, sometimes can be a little narrow-minded when it comes to those differences in the diversity of the church. So there's a a passage I want to read written by a a guy called Scott Hubbard, Uh, And he wrote this beautiful passage just talking about the differences of people and how we're different. So it goes like this. He says, I sometimes think I could be very holy if, after doing my morning devotions, I just stayed in my room all day long. I can be very holy in that place, right? I find that patience, for example, comes easier by myself. Peace, too. I feel a general kindness and a goodwill to everybody. I imagine myself ready to take on others' burdens. But then I leave my room and I begin to interact with some of those 
other people, those different people face to face. And before long, I wonder where my holiness went. My patience feels fragile. Peace goes on the retreat. My theoretical kindness finds itself unprepared for real annoyances. And my shoulders can't bear other people's burdens. People, it turns out to be, have an irritating way of poking the spiritual fruit on my table. So who would you allow to sit at your table, right? Only to reveal just how many of those apples and pears on my table, those spiritual fruits, are just plastic and fake. I might prefer holiness to be a more private affair, a halo that hangs over my solitary head. But holiness is not a mystical condition experienced in relation to God, but an absence of people. You cannot be good in a vacuum, but only in the real world of people. True holiness begins between God and the soul, but it's fine, it finds its full expression in the community with other people. Wonderful, glorious, frustrating, and sometimes offensive people. So I can remain in my bubble, and I can be all holy in my private space. But what happens when I step out into the real world where people that can sometimes be offensive uh, are face-to-face -face with me? So it's clear, and I don't think we have to say this too many times, that God loves our differences. And he's asking us if we are willing to love each other's differences. Are we willing to make room at our tables for those that are different than us? So my, my beautiful wife was at the first service, but uh, when I talk about differences, I can't help but talk about me and my wife. Uh, because, wow, that woman is different than I am. I mean, it is ridiculous how different she is than I am. There is not a single thing I feel like some days in our life where it's just, yep, perfectly in alignment. If I say turn left, she turns right. That's just how it goes, right? And we have learned to figure those differences out, and we've learned to see the blessing of those differences I'm sure some of you uh, have the same experiences. Um, and differences can be frustrating and irritating, but God wants us all to be okay with that that is different. So a lot of you know uh, we come from South Africa. We moved here to the States about 13 years ago, so I'll tell you one of my stories again. But um, I grew up in apartheid. I grew up in a divide where white and black people were treated differently or people of color compared to how I was treated. Um, I didn't know much of it. I had a, a lady, we had a lady that worked in our house. Her name was Rebecca. Um, she made the food. She cleaned the house. She ate out of the pots and the plates we ate out of. Uh, but growing up, I realized something was different. But I also didn't see it as different because Rebecca was like a second mom to me. She was the same lady. I watched my first scary movie with her. I remember hiding behind the couch, and she would be like, get out from under the couch, scary cat, come watch the movie with me, right? She was the same lady that fed me. She's the same lady that slapped me upside the head when I was naughty, right? So for me, I didn't see a real difference, but I felt as I got older, I was like, wait a second, something weird's going on here. And then when I was about 13 or 14, uh, a guy by the name of Nelson Mandela came on the scene, and clearly there was a big transition uh, in South Africa. Um, he was locked up, imagine this, in jail for 27 years, came out of jail, and the first thing he said is, let's love each other, let's forgive each other, and 
we all have a seat at the table of what then was the new South Africa. He invited everybody to have a seat at that table. All your differences, your different skin colors, your different cultures, your different perspective of lives, he was inviting everybody into it. And I believe firmly today, if it wasn't for him, we, we would have we killed each other in the streets. Sort of similar to the history of this country, right? We wouldn't have been able to avoid a, a, a confrontation, a battle of some sort. So he was really the grandpa of our country and an incredible man. Um, and I don't only want to make this discussion about the diversity or the differences of race. So it's not just a race discussion. Uh, it is about the other things too. I mean, we have language, we have culture. But if you think about it, the real differences is actually a layer deeper than that. It's a layer deeper than just a racial culture thing. It is different perspectives on life, different opinions about the things that's important, different ways we approach our faith even. Those are the real things. And if we want to call ourselves believers and followers of Christ, level one is being able to get through the different races, different colors, different languages. That's level one. That is the basis of what we need to do. So we can get to the tough things, right? You think different than me. You act different than me. Your perspective on life is different than me. So just to be clear, it's not only a racial discussion. It is also just our differences in that discussion. And different people need to be allowed to have a space at my table, no matter how different they are. So the question is, again, what I started with, who has a seat at your table? And by implication, who does not have a seat at your table? Okay? If you think about the world and if you think about history, our tendency as humans are, my mom and my dad study brain psychology and things like that as part of their ministry. What do our brains tend to do? Our brains are like water running down a stream. Our brains pick the path of least resistance. So if I think about somebody that I want to include at my table, somebody that I want to have seated at the table of my life, my tendency is to pick people that act like me, talk like me, look like me, or similar to me in a lot of aspects. And that's a very limiting thing. That's a very limiting thing. I have to be very intentional, and I find the older I get, the more intentional I have to be, to include people in my life that have different perspectives than mine. Okay? In history, in this world, where have we seen where people have tried to keep things the same and keep all the people the same as that ever turned out well? Think about, think about the Nazis, right? Let's make a, a special human race that looks the same, speaks the same, and what did that lead into? Right? Think about the Tower of Babel. Everybody spoke the same language, everybody had the same idea, and before you knew it, because everything was so the same, they wanted to be God, for lack of a better explanation. So differences and being different is part of the blessing of God. That diversity, different colors, different languages, different perspectives on life, different experiences, is part of the blessing of God. My problem is that if somebody is different than me, if they do things that I think are wrong, then I tend to exclude them from my life and I see them as an enemy. So even if you see those people as an enemy... What does the word say about those enemies? In Luke 6, verse 27, 28, it says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. So even when I'm talking about my enemies, they're not real enemies. In my perspective, sometimes my enemy is just somebody that is different than me. And I am too lazy 
or too stubborn or too arrogant and prideful to say, wait a second, I've got something to learn from this person. I have a perspective in this person that would help me, that would benefit me. So instead of that, I choose to make them an enemy and I push them aside and I exclude them from my life. And then I live in my happy little bubble. Me with the people that look like me, talk like me, smell like me, taste like me, I said earlier. I don't know how that would work. And I keep in my safe little bubble. And that's not what God calls of us. That's not what God asks of us. So the word says, search your heart. We ask God to search our heart. So again, I said at the beginning, I'm going to be a little prickly, right? And these are the things we don't like to talk about. But check your heart. If you still have a certain bias against people of a different race or a different color or a different language, now's your time. Let that thing go. Let that thing go. If you meet a, a person and they look a certain way, act a certain way, and again, I'm not talking only racial. I joke about me and my wife and us being different. There's a lot of days where she starts talking and I go, woman, I don't know what you're talking about. That is so wrong, I can't even imagine it. And what can I do? I can exclude her from the discussion. I can do what I want to do. And what happens? I don't grow. I don't mature. I don't learn from her, her perspective on life. And that's sometimes the same way we treat those people around us. I'm going to say another prickly thing. Coming from a different country and having lived and learned in different countries, one of the big things in this country, one of the big differences that seems to be a massive obstacle is this political thing that we have going on in this country. Wow. We can go after each other on a political field. That is just ridiculous. And it, is a, it becomes the super, I believe this, I see you believe that. That confirms to me that you're just not as smart as me, not as wise as me. I don't know what. You just don't understand the reality of this political stuff. I believe this, and I exclude you from my thinking, and your perspective goes with it. We love doing that on social media too, right? Okay, now I can dislike somebody or disconnect from somebody on social media. They don't even know I disconnected from them. I just unplug from them because their perspective is so wrong and so skewed. They just don't get it. How arrogant does that sound? My advice would be unplug from social media as a whole. It's probably a better bet, but that's a, a separate discussion. So we talked about the differences of color and race and language, all these things. We talked about different perspectives. Sometimes the differences of people are the people that hurt you. I've got family members that have hurt me in my life. I've got some family members living still back in South Africa that aren't necessarily closely connected to our lives. And they don't have a daily presence in my life. Okay? But I haven't written them off. When I think about them, I pray for them. I hope the best for them. I ask God to reveal himself to them. But I don't go and I say, well, they're so wrong and so bad that I just, they're so different, I can't even think about them. So I'm not talking only about people that live with you daily. I'm talking about a heart posture that says, at my table, at the table, everyone is allowed to eat. Part of Tony's Italian dinner, right? Who would you invite? Your posture needs to say everybody. The way they look, the way they smell, the way they dressed. The sinners, the liars, the adulterers, the murderers, do they deserve a seat at the table? Of course, Ruan, you know, we're Christians. You know, I'm a sinner too. But do we live like that? Or do we just narrow our focus and our beam and we stick in our little bubble where things are safe? That's not what Jesus did. That's not his example. 
So in Colossians 3 verses 11 to 14, it says, In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, a barbarian, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. He lives in all of us. Do we truly believe that? Do I truly believe that He lives in all of us? Because if He lived in all of us and I wanted to honor God, I would not disregard the ones that are different than me. Even if they do things that are hurtful, even if they do things that are painful, even if they write me off, I, write, I never write them off. Right? So don't do that. Why do we tend to do that? Or if we do that, then all of a sudden we sit in the judgment seat. That sounds harsh too. All of a sudden we become the judge. We sit in God's seat and we say, you're so different with your perspective. That is so wrong that I'm actually judging you for your perspective and I'm excluding you from my life or excluding you to have influence or perspective on my life. Don't go sit in the judgment seat. Don't judge. The Bible says don't judge or you will be judged the same way, right? Or judge accordingly. Don't look at somebody else's eye and say, where's the speck in your eye when you have a plank in your own eye, right? Don't judge. Don't be in that place. Who judges? Only God. Why? Because he saves us. He loves us. And he can see the heart of people. You can't. Don't judge people and try and tell them what they're doing right or wrong. It's not our place. It is his place. He's the one that's allowed to judge, not us. So the question is, the first one is basically who sits at your table and who does not by implication. Second question is, why should I even make room at my table? Why do I need to make room for people at my table? My life is full. Who would agree? Their lives are quite full, right? I've got family members. I've got people around me. I've got things I love. And my life is going well. Earlier, Kurt said to me, he's like, wow, I really have to be more intentional about allowing people that are different into my life. Because we get into a very comfortable habit of our lives, okay? And now over the last seven weeks or so, we've been talking about the different spiritual giftings that God has given us. So raise your hand if over the last several weeks, you have felt like, hey, that's one of my gifts that TJ has been talking about. Everybody agree? Now, okay, let's do this. The Bible says all of us have gifts that's been given to us. Agreed? Okay, so the question is, who of you have gifts? You all should raise your hand. Everybody right now, you don't have a choice, I'm telling you, raise your hand. Because the Bible is true. You have a gift, okay? So let's go through the list. Every time I say something over the teachings we've had over the last several weeks, if this is you, raise your hand. Don't be shy. You can raise it once. You can raise it ten times. You can't not raise it because the Bible says you've got gifts. Deal? Everybody on board? Okay. First one, the gift of the apostolic, which is the builder. So who likes to build? Who likes to run businesses? Who feels they have influence in growing things? Right? Good. Good gift. The gift of the prophetic. The prophetic we were talking about speaking into people's lives, edifying them, uplifting them, encouraging them. Nice. The evangelist. So Mr. Dan, Dr. Dan is going to India. The evangelist. He's the evangelist. He wants to go on mission trips. He wants to love. Who loves family fest? Raise your hand. Guess what? You have evangelistic gifting. Because you want to reach the lost. You want to reach the communities. Great. You have a gift like that. The pastoral gift. Who loves to care for people and love on people, right? Good gift. Teaching. I'm teaching today. Who loves to teach? Right? I'm reminding everybody, we all have gifts. Some of the other ones, gifts of 
healing and miracles. Who's ever prayed for somebody that got healed from sickness or disease or got healed, right? Internally or externally. That's a gift. Speaking in tongues is a gift. Not everybody's got the gift, but it is a gift. Giving is a gift. Who's got the gift of giving? Who likes to give? Who likes to share what they have? Lots of hands going up. You guys should give more. You should see the tithing going up after this service, right? Uh, like I said, the gift of teaching, encouraging, leading. Who's got the gift of mercy? Who loves to just say, I'm with you, I love you, I care for you? The gift of serving. Old, uh, old Tony said at the beginning, setting up the services before. That's a gift of service, right? Who's the, the worship team, the coffee guys? It's all a gift of serving. So we all have different gifts, and it's a beautiful thing. So why do you get the gifts? To exclude those that are different or to include those that are different? All your gifts, each one of you now was supposed to raise your hand at least once. You've got a gift. That gift has got a purpose. If you aren't using your gift to include those that are different, if you are, when I came from South Africa, looking at the Kivers, right? They included me because I was an outsider and all of a sudden they said, welcome, come on in, you're in. They included us. Everybody wants to be included. And the gifts that they had in service and just being friendly and loving on us, that was a gift for our family. We all have those gifts. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, so speaking in tongues is a gift, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, so I can teach, I have all knowledge, right? All those giftings, and I have faith that can move mountains. This sounds like a guy I want to be, but I do not love. It means nothing. If I give all I possess, the gift of giving, if I give, it to, if I give my body to a hardship, so serving, suffering, but do not have love, I gain nothing. All those gifts mean nothing if you can't figure out how to include those that are different than you. So I'll tell you a little story of when we came to South Africa as well. Um, we came to South Africa, or we came to America, so we got invited to a backyard barbecue at the beginning, and I'm out of sequence, Mindy, I'm sorry. Uh, I was invited to a barbecue, so hot dogs and hamburgers, uh, and this lady approached me, and I think she had a couple of beers by the time she approached me, and of course the normal discussion starts. You sound funny, I look a little pasty white, so I maybe look funny, and I was like, and she's like, so where are you from? And I'm like, South Africa, and I could see, you know, how do they say? Lights are on, but nobody's home, something like that. And, and I'm like, so Africa, continent in the middle, on the, you know, on the ball, and at the bottom end, southern Africa, and I see the gears start ticking. And she's like, so you're from Africa? And I'm like, yeah, I'm from Africa. And she goes, that can't be. <laughs> I'm like, and why not? And she goes, well, you're white. And I'm like, I didn't notice. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. And like I said before, I then tend to be a very serious guy, so I explained to her that actually all people from Africa are white, and the sun there is just way stronger, you know, so you get, you get toasty a little sooner, you know, and of course on the flight over in the airplane, you know, with the lights and so on, you know, that, that color just faded, and now I look the way I look now, you know, so like I said, I think she had a couple of beers, she ate it all, she, she believed me fully, um, but what, what I realized is that her perspective was just different. And she expected something different than what she saw. 
And immediately you could see it was tough for her to almost decide, do I want this guy on my table or is it too weird for me and I'm just going to exclude him from my table? A couple of months later, I went to another little get-together with people and I bumped into a nice African-American gentleman and we had the literal same discussion. He's like, you sound funny. I'm like, yes, I know. He's like, you look a little funny. I'm like, you too. You know, a big thing. Africa, Southern Africa, whatever. And I said something along the lines of, yeah, we're probably going to become American citizens soon. You know, that's exciting. And I joke and I go, well, I'm from Africa. I'm going to become an American citizen. So I'm as African-American as it gets. And I, I think I said something like brother from another mother, something like that, you know. And, and I could see the anger in his eyes. And I could immediately sense this was not what he wanted to hear. And he literally looks at me and he goes, you're not African. You're not African like I'm African. And immediately this, this amazing feeling of, wow, I'm just not what he expected. I was too different for him. Right? And what could have happened in that moment? I could have said, okay, clearly we're not going to get along. Clearly you have some hurt in you and some experiences in you that's hurt you. And I can choose to say, let me exclude myself from that. You're too different than I am, and I'm clearly too different for what you are, and let's just walk the other directions. Or we can engage those conversations, and I can say, Ooh, let me hear what that pain is that made you that angry at me. Let me understand what that is. If you want the different to be part of your life, it takes effort. Right? You can go to the store and meet the different person on the other side of the cash register, and you can go, Ooh, too different for me. Safe bubble, safe place, keep my lane. Or you can engage and love and try and understand where people come from, what their different perspectives of life are. So the question is, those people, my African-American friend now, right, that now has, is somebody that I keep close to me in my life. Why? Because when I speak to John, I can say to him, and it's not this John, it's a different John. I speak to John and I say, dude, this just happened in the news. Tell me your perspective. And he can share something that I cannot fathom with my white skin. I cannot fathom because I come from a different country. Right? You need different people in your life, but it takes effort. And it's narrow-minded and selfish to believe that I can live life just on my own little island without different things. And again, it's not only a color. It's not a race. It's not a language discussion only. The person in your life that has the most opposite view to you in my case, in most cases, my wife, the most opposite view. I need her in my life because that opposite view strengthens me. It gives me a different perspective. Otherwise, I just do my own thing and I don't care about anybody else. So how do I make room at my table? So like I said, for me and my wife, we make room for each other because we talk more. We hang out more. We ask more questions. We don't tell each other the truth all the time. Wow, I can see you think this. Tell me why you think that. It's a different approach. I allow her to speak in. Mostly, I forgive more. We forgive more. You can't live in that relationship with different people if you're not willing to forgive. Rule number one of being a believer. So I think, and I've thought about this a lot, and I've talked to a lot of people over the last couple of months about this, because I'm trying to figure out, like, how do we do this? How do we get those people to come to my table? And I think the trick thing is, and the important thing is that the word says we have to find a balance between love and truth. Okay? So what happens if I only love people? 
but I exclude the truth from that love. It just becomes this cushy, funny, I just love you, I just love you, you're great, you're fine, you're okay, everything is wonderful. Okay? But God is love and truth. He's both. Right? These do not go separate from each other. Our job is to open the door to our tables, to let those people have seats at our tables through the door of love. Okay? But it should be in balance with truth as well. But maybe not your perspective of the truth. The truth is scripture. The truth is God. If you can't speak to a person about the real truth and you want to convince them about your perspective of the truth, nine times out of ten, you just start a fight. Isn't that what we do on social media? I don't know you. I have no relationship with you. I'm not even sure I love you. But I just want to let you know that your truth is completely skewed. You have no idea what you're talking about. This is the real truth. The political one, the social one, the standards one, the race one. I just want to let you know what the real truth is. These things have to be in balance. I can't speak the truth if I don't have it in balance with love. I can't just do love without adding some truth. Okay? Get the perspective? It has to be both. Keep them in balance. In Ephesians 4 it says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And then it continues to speak about the different parts of the body, right? The ligaments, the bones, the different things. It all comes together to form the body. Each part is needed. And those parts, those different parts come together in love and truth when we treat each other that way. God is both of those things. He is love and truth. We need both of those. In Colossians 3 verses 11 to 14 it says, Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That sounds like love. That's opening the door for people. Humility and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe, your, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. If you're ever confused about love or truth, and you feel like, let me just get the truth out there so they know, I would advise you to lean back and lean on love. The Bible says the greatest of these is love. It's always love. Okay? I, my truth, if it's not out of Scripture and God's perspective, I should rather just keep my mouth shut. My perspective on so many things in life is my own perspective. That African-American gentleman, his perspective, his pain, I could never understand. We have to believe that God's the one that can speak truth to, to people's hearts. So think a little bit when we talk about getting somebody to sit at your table, opening the door to allow somebody to sit at your table. What was the last big table in Scripture? The last supper, right? Think about Jesus sitting at the table with his disciples. Who sat at the table with Jesus? Actually, if you think about it, a bunch of teenage misfits. Just like all of us. Just like me. Right? Different people, different guys, different experiences, guys that would not be the kindest, especially when he came to the end of his life, right? Peter, what he did at the end. People, you would think after the amount of years they were together, all the things they saw, all the miracles they experienced, still, when the real tough came, they scattered, right? Jesus still allowed those guys to sit at his table. What did Jesus do before they sat at that table? He washed their feet. He loved them. The entrance to the door, the entrance to your table is love. 
is a willingness to love, a willingness to serve, a willingness to accept the different. How different was Judas sitting at that table? Jesus knew. Jesus washed his feet too, right? And allowed him to sit at that table. There's a lot of you that truth is important to you. Jesus and his love is not absent of truth. At that table, when they asked Jesus, he wasn't fake. He wasn't trying to be cushy. When they asked him, who's the guy? He said, Judas, you're the guy, dude. He was straight. He spoke the truth. But it was through the door of love where truth comes. My advice, work on your end on the door of truth, uh, the truth, the, the love part. Love people. Care for people. If you're not sure when the truth is necessary or even if it is necessary, Jesus will speak the truth to people. He is love and truth. Love them. Love them, love them, love them, love them. I can't speak truth to somebody. I especially can't speak my perspective or truth to somebody if they don't feel I love them. I need to. I can speak truth to my wife, Nadia, because she knows I love her. I can sit in that place with her and I can say, hey, love, I love you like crazy. But that thing, not okay. And guess what? Nine times out of ten, she's going to go, great, that's your perspective. Now let me tell you why I do that thing. And so we grow together and we learn together. But don't try and let people come sit at the table through the door of your perspective of truth. You're looking for trouble there. It's never going to work. We hurt so badly. Social media, how we throw truth at each other and believe that's going to change somebody's mind or make them better or make them see my perspective. It just doesn't work that way. And finally, if you think about it, Jesus also died for Judas. He allowed him to sit at his table through the door of love. He washed his feet. He spoke truth to him. He also died for him. He sacrificed himself for Judas as well. That's the gift. Jesus showed Judas he loved him. He shared his truth with him. Judas knew the truth. Judas still made his own decisions after that, right? And I'm not going to get into a theological discussion about Judas, right? But that's our story of our lives. We love. We share truth. People will do what they want to do after that. We just do the best to love them as best we can, okay? So, who would like to know God more? Who would like to know Jesus more? This is, again, one of those hand-raising moments. Everybody? You will learn who God is when you look in the eyes of others, especially if you look in the eyes of others that are different than you. Why? Because we are all created in His image. He is in everybody's eyeballs that you look at. He is even in their differences. He is in all of that. If you want to know God more, you have to be willing to accept those that are different than you, to look at them from a different perspective, to learn from them. Jesus is in all of them. We are all made in His image. Don't limit yourself. Family Fest is a good opportunity to do exactly that, right? How many eyeballs can you look at that day and say, wow, these are all different people, different experiences, different things, and they all have something that I can learn from them just as much as hopefully they can learn something from me. So be involved with Family Fest. Get involved uh, and figure out how do you want to live your life to include people at the table of your life. It's a heart perspective, right? That political discussions we talked about, I can listen to the political guy on TV and immediately, or my best friend that has a certain political perspective, and I can just go, wrong, excluded, and I can narrow my beam, focus on what I believe the truth is, and I don't open my table like Jesus would open the table to whoever wants to sit on that. 
it's tough to even open the table to somebody that you believe is actively living in sin. Right? We're super good Christians, right? So, wow, that guy's actively living in sin. He's an adulterer, right? That guy's a thief. He's actively, that guy's actively doing drugs. Don't know if I can associate myself with those people, right? I'm clean, right? Maybe they rub off on me and whatever. What did Jesus do? He included all those people. There's no exclusion. It's inclusion. The different parts of the church, how we look, how we speak, our perspectives on life, it's all different and it's all a blessing and it's all part of the body. So Family Fest is a good opportunity. Who remembers the day they got saved? Some of you might say, hey, I've always been saved. I just grew up in the church. I don't remember a specific day for me. It was a a specific day. Uh, And the reason I'm saying this is it's just good to think that way. So when I was uh, 13 years old, my mom and dad came back from a marriage retreat. I think I told the story before, my dad got out of the car and he said, praise Jesus. And I'm like, Satan, who are you? I've never heard you say these words, you know. I'm like, what is going on? And within a couple of months, our whole family changed. And I I saw what God did to my parents. And I was like, I want that, whatever that is. And a couple of months later, I was in a little church in a school building. And the pastor, for the first time, something I never heard before up to there, he said, hey, whoever believes in Jesus can have communion. And I was like, I can have communion? I never heard that before. What do you mean I can have communion? And he's like, yeah, simple. If you believe in Jesus, come forward, you can have communion. So if you think about it in that moment, and maybe for all of you, the day you got saved, it was not a very difficult decision in that moment. I was lost. I was a little dark. I was full of sin. And all of a sudden, they presented me this gospel. And the gospel was, there's a man that loves me unconditionally. He's willing to die for my sins. He's willing to give me an eternal reward. And along the way here in life, he's going to bless me, encourage me, give me gifts, give me tools, and he's going to help me. That moment for me, I don't know about you, that moment, accepting Jesus was easy. I walked down the little aisle, got to the front, prayed a little prayer for 15 seconds. I accept Jesus, had communion for the first time. I was like, wow, that's incredible. Easy to accept Jesus in that moment takes a lifetime to accept myself and other people. Isn't that maturity? Isn't that growing up, right? I want to learn from God. I want to know more about Him every day. I learn through the people around me. I learn because He says, accept yourself first. Be okay with who you are and how I made you. We all raised our hands. We all have gifts and things like that. God, this is how you made me. Help me. Teach me how to accept myself. And then help me to accept those that are different than me. Those that hurt me. Those that do bad things. Those that look different, taste different, smell different. It's good. It's part of the kingdom. It helps me expand. It helps me mature. If I'm like, God, I'm only going to be all about you, but I don't want to like, get involved with all these other dirty people, you're losing the perspective. Right? You're losing the perspective and losing an incredible opportunity. Revelation 7 verses 9 and 10, it says, After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages standing before the throne before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. Wouldn't this be a miraculous day? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Many different people, many different cultures, many different flavors, many different perspectives. One day... We will all be in that crowd. 
Now make me feel sad. And who's going to be not there because you said your different was too much for me? I can't include you at the table of my life because your different is just too different. I don't like that on my skin. Be willing to accept the different. God made us that way. He is in all of us. That is the gift. That is the greatest gift. So to accept Jesus and not accept others, you're missing one of the most important gifts of your own salvation. Don't miss it. Don't exclude yourself from the different and from the other. It takes effort. Old legend Mr. Kurt Kahn said to me, he's like, at my age, with my life I've lived, I really have to be super intentional about that because our bubbles sort of narrow and we sort of put the people around us that are all Christian and all look the same and all act the same. And God says, open your bubble. Be willing. Have a heart posture that says, anybody that's different, anything that's different, I'm willing to engage those people. We are all living stones, the Bible says, right? Look at the walls here on the side of the building. All those stones of different shapes, different sizes, we all form part of that. And those different stones, if our foundation is the cornerstone, which is Jesus, our lives are built upon Him. And that is how we build the kingdom. Different shapes, different sizes, different flavors, all of us. So my question is, who are you willing to accept at your table? Challenge yourself a little bit. Maybe I'm going to bump into the person at the Dunkin' Donuts and instead of being wow they sound different look different I don't even quite understand what they're saying I'm going to actually try and be intentional right my African-American friend that day I could have said wow dude you just hurt me you just basically told me I'm not African dude I can't be anything else I'm African I was born in the middle of Africa what do you want from me and I could have excluded myself but instead I said wow tell me more you seem upset explain and so we made a connection that will last me a lifetime. Right? And I have many friends like that over the years. Be willing to accept the different. Be willing to accept the, Jerry Hauser said to me earlier, be willing to accept the Judases at your table. How else will they come to the table? How else will they have communion with Jesus? It's through us. TJ says this often, your plan A, there is no plan B. If it doesn't happen through you, I want to leave it. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.